But I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. And so if this is your first time worshiping with us this fall, we're in the midst of a very short, brief sermon series on the subject of rest. I'm sharing some themes, some lessons that I learned that God has taught me over my sabbatical this summer. And today we're very specifically considering the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day that God commands in his law. It's a a day to have 24 hours of rest every single week. And we see the Sabbath in God's law here in Exodus 20, also in Deuteronomy 5. And we'll read Exodus 20 in a moment. But once upon a time in America, there was some cultural architecture that was in place that helped us live out a Sabbath way of life. Businesses would be closed on Sundays. And our culture has drastically changed. But it's not just the culture of America that's drastically changed. It's also the culture of the church that has drastically changed as well. One writer, A.J. Sabota, who's in the Pacific Northwest, he writes this. Our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It's not as though as we do not love God, we love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit still with God anymore. We have perhaps become the most exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. And so what he's pointing out is that rest is a vital part of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Rest is a vital part of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And so let's, this morning, look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. So this is the word of God for the people of God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore God, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your good word that you have given to us. How your word tells us of a day that you have made, that you have blessed it, and you have given it to us. So, Father, we pray now as we consider your word, may you encourage us and comfort us. May you, show your, may you reveal your goodness and your sweet goodness to us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. There is a frequent conversation among entrepreneurs that I simply find fascinating. But it's a conversation that's rooted in the question of, what is your greatest asset? Now, some of the answers that I've heard would be relationships. Another answer would be the gift and the ability to network or problem solve, have mental focus. Like, these are all answers I've heard. But all these answers, I'm actually going to disagree with. None of those things are your greatest asset as you're looking to start a business. Because actually all of them flow from something else. The thing that is actually your greatest asset, the most prized possession in your life, is time. Time is your most precious possession. 
It's the most important thing that you have because it is, in fact, fleeting. Here one moment and gone the next. It is the one thing that you can actually never have more of. It's, there's something money cannot buy. Instead, you're actually losing time. And so when it comes to the Christian faith, well, actually, we instinctually know this. And so when it comes to the Christian faith, the hardest thing for us to believe, the hardest thing for us to truly accept is the fact that God claims every aspect of our life. Now, we're not our own. And one of the ways that we feel this most clearly is what God says about our time. The Sabbath challenges our hearts in a very deep way. But God tells us through Jesus, this is in the New Testament, that this is not meant to be a burden. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, what Jesus is saying there is that this is a gift from God to us. He, God knows what we need, and he gives us what we need. And today, as we're considering the Sabbath, there are two reasons to have a Sabbath. There's two reasons that ought to motivate you to have a Sabbath in your life. And there's two reasons. is The Sabbath is a delight, and the Sabbath is an act of resistance. And I'll get to both of those in a, in a few moments. But those are the two reasons that God gives us to, in his word to have a Sabbath. But one of the things that we need to consider before we get to those things is that as we look at the Sabbath here, look at it within the context. The context of the Sabbath is given to us within the law of God. And whenever we consider the law of God, when we're considering commandments of God, we're considering God says do this or don't do that. And so, therefore, what we do with this in our minds is that we take any talk of commandments and, and associate it with legalism or moralism or God being heavy-handed and saying, this is how you need to live. And so, for example, like I've been a Sabbath keeper the majority of my life. But one time I was in seminary, and our professor was doing some Q&A on the Sabbath. He was sharing how he practices the Sabbath and answering questions. And he was, is, is a very competitive man. And he would say that he would avoid all competitive sports whatsoever. He would not play pickup basketball with his children because he would get very competitive. In fact, he would say, like, I'm not going to do anything where I would get sweaty in my life on Sunday. And I'm like, you must have some very good air conditioning. And if you know my children, they won't be wanting to play competitive sports with me at any time. But like as I was hearing this, I was not hearing actually God's word saying this is what it looks like to, to practice the Sabbath. I'm hearing one person's stories. And what, can be, what I noticed in my own heart is that as I was hearing this, I was actually being very discouraged from practicing the Sabbath. I was just like, That's, I don't want to do that. And in my heart, I was noticing that I, here I am taking this one person's experience and associating it with legalism of like, this is what I have to do. And this is one of the things that we need to highlight, that whenever we are talking about God's commandments, we can easily misunderstand what God is saying based upon our own experiences or other people's experiences of it. 
So I'm not, this morning, I'm not going to share my Sabbath practices or other people's. I actually wanted us to focus on God's word and his motivations because I don't want us to fall in that trap of legalism and moralism this morning. Another thing to highlight as we're considering the, the, these, the law of God, really, like as we, there's a lot of different laws within the Old Testament. There's like civil laws. These are laws that governed the ancient state of Israel. There are ceremonial laws that were associated with the sacrificial system of Israel. There's the moral law, which is meant to shape our morality and be a guide for our life. And the New Testament has a lot to say about all of these different laws. That Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. That even with when he, the dietary laws, part of the ceremonial law, that Peter was told Jesus, I'm not going to eat these things. And Jesus is like, don't sit, call anything that I have made unclean. Here, have some bacon. Like, the, Jesus, the New Testament says a lot of things about the law. But one of the most important things that the New Testament says about the law is this. That if the law could save you, then Jesus died for no purpose. Jesus died for no reason. In other words, the law cannot save you. And so as we're going to think about the Sabbath and the command that Jesus, the command that God gives us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, one of the things that we must remember is that it cannot save us. The law cannot save you or rescue you. It's not given for that reason. The law is actually given to you as a teacher, a tutor, a guide to shape your life, to show you what it looks like to thrive and flourish when you live your life under God's reign. When you live your life under God's reign, you will thrive and flourish. And the foundation of the law, I did not read it, but it's Exodus 20, verse 2. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Just hear these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That is God's first word, the preface to the Ten Commandments. Everything that follows the law flows from grace. This is grace. It's nothing less than love, unearned favor of God. Even before you could hear God's word or know God's law, you are hearing the word that he loves you, he rejoices in you, and he delights in you. That is the foundation for everything that's going to flow, everything that's going to follow. Do not murder, do not steal, remember the Sabbath day. All of that is predicated and founded on the fact that God loves you. And this is grace. What we find from Scripture, grace is meant to move us to obedience. God's kindness is meant to move us to gratitude and obedience. And so as we think about the Sabbath, we are, yes, think about an aspect of the law, but the foundation of it is grace. And so going back to what I said earlier, there's two reasons why we should Sabbath. What are those two reasons? The first reason is delight. Sabbath as delight. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days God worked, and on the seventh he rested. What God does right here in this commandment, he is grounding it in creation and his creative activity back in Genesis. So Exodus is remembering Eden, where God is reigning. And in Genesis 1 and 2 in Eden, there's this beautiful, original goodness. 
that God is working and he created. At the end of every single day of his creative work, he sits back and says, this is good. He delights in his creation. After every single work day, he is delighting in what he has done. And at the end of the week, after he's made Adam and Eve, and he says, this is good. This is very good. And then he sits back and rests. So Exodus here is actually calling us to imitate God, to work for six days, to rest for the seventh. And yet God knows that our life is marked by the curse of sin. And work is cursed, and it can crush our physical bodies. It can suck our souls. And so remember the Sabbath day is a commandment to remember Eden. When God ruled over all things in peace, and there was goodness, and there was delight. And the Hebrew word for Sabbath shared this last week. It's important. But the Hebrew word means to stop, to cease. And God makes it clear to have a full day, the seventh day, where we stop from our work. So one writer, Mark Buchanan, in the book, The Rest of God, he writes this. The Sabbath is about imaging God, imitating his example and receiving his blessing. We mimic God to remember that we are not God. In fact, that is a good definition of Sabbath. Imitating God to stop trying to be God. See, what the Sabbath does is that it puts our work in its proper place so that it prevents you from trying to prove that you are something. The Sabbath puts your work in place to stop you from trying to do everything because you absolutely cannot do everything. Because actually there's always more you can do. Sabbath rest is meant to be a delight, a a time where God gives you to enjoy life. That every good thing, this is from the New Testament, it's beautiful. Every good thing in your life is given by God for you to enjoy, to deepen your joy in life. Because God is for your joy. God wants you to delight in life. Just think about that for a moment. God wants you to delight in life. God wants to increase your joy. And one of the ways that he wants, he gives you, one of the ways he concretely shows he is for your joy is by giving you a day where you say no to your work and saying yes to other things. Dan Allender Another guy in the Pacific Northwest, and you will see that a lot of these writers are from the Pacific Northwest. Makes you wonder what's going on with these guys. But Dan Allender, he writes this. This is beautiful. The Sabbath is an invitation to delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The day we remember on Monday and Saturday and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of joy and delight is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. There's Dan Allender. It's a day of delight. It's an invitation to delight. So what does God say we must do in order to enter into this day of delight? 
as this Sabbath invitation. And he says it, remember the Sabbath day? Move on to keep it holy. Now in the Hebrew, Hebrew, in the Hebrew, the word holy is a complex word. The Hebrew is the word kavod. It means heavy. So even the Hebrews understood the complexity of this word. But it also means to set apart. And God is telling you to set apart a day and make it different from all your other days. You work for six days, but not on the Sabbath day. So you make it holy. You set it apart. So you have healthy boundaries, embracing your God-given limits where he has designed you to not do everything. You cannot know everything. You cannot be everywhere. So embrace your God-given limits where you bring this day under God's reign in your life. Where you set apart this day where you don't work, but instead you focus on the things that delight your soul. You focus on the things that actually give you life as opposed to being soul-sucking or crushing. Because, friends, there are so many things going on in our lives. Think about your work. Think about your domestic life with your chores at home, with your parenting or caring for your parents. Or you think about your friends or your children because our children even have schedules. There's so many things going on in our life. And if we are not careful... If we're not careful, if we do not take ownership of our schedules, where we bring our week and our time under God's reign and truly attack it with an intentionality, our week will attack us. It will fill up with so many things where we are neglecting the things of first importance. We will be neglecting the things that we truly should be present for. So we need to approach rest. We need to approach our time with an intentionality, otherwise we will not experience the rest God promises us. And so as we look at the Sabbath here, this command is grounded in this creation story. Where this is the rhythm that God built into the, the world. Where we work for six and we rest for one. That's the rhythm of our lives. The rhythm of our life is not to be work, 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 work. Or vacation, 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 vacation. Time off, time off, time off. This rhythm of work and rest, this is the rhythm that God built into creation. This is his, how he designed us. And this is a rhythm that we need to tap into if we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to be emotionally healthy. God gives us this Sabbath day to delight in. That itself is a reason to Sabbath. So we need to pull away. Friends, let's pull away from every rival obligation or pursuit so that we can actually pursue God who delights in us. Because every single one of us can use more time to, to delight in our Heavenly Father who delights in us. So that's the first reason to Sabbath, to delight. The second reason to take a Sabbath is that it is an act of resistance. That may sound wonky to you, that Sabbath is an act of resistance. Yet it last August, so a full year ago, a New York Times article entitled The Rise of the Productivity Score. That's the title of this article. It shares how digital monitoring, which was meant to keep workers productive, has resulted in hyper-controlled work environments. In some cases, workers were docked, were docked points for simply talking to a coworker or going to the restroom. And so people were discouraged and would feel ashamed if they would even go to the restroom. 
In one example, a hospice chaplain shared how she was measured on how many visits to the dying she could squeeze into the day. Always pushed for more and more visits. Meaning, the more she would give, the more appointments she would make, the less present she would be with those who were dying. Other examples would be from Amazon, where efficiency is measured by the seconds. How quickly can you move things along in, this, in seconds? Other examples were from lawyers, cashiers, UPS drivers, and many more. And this is, in fact, universal. What we're finding in our culture, this is universal to every social economic class. 61% of remote workers say they, it's hard for them to unplug from work. 53% of workers who are in the office say it's hard for them to unplug from work. And 40% say they check their work email outside of work hours. See, we live in a culture that wants to squeeze all the productivity out of us. Regardless of our health and regardless of our well-being, this is a culture that actually wants to enslave us. And the Sabbath is a means to resist the devil, to resist sin, to resist our flesh and the world. Trapper, Tramper Longman, he's a, a writer, and the, one of the books that he wrote is Emmanuel in Our Place, Seeing the Gospel in Israel's Worship. He writes this about the, the Ten Commandments that are given in Deuteronomy. We're going to jump into Deuteronomy 5 here. Then Deuteronomy, he says this, that we can immediately see that there is what we might call a more social justice orientation. Because there's a strong concern that God has this desire that the benefits of our salvation that we have in Christ need to be shared with the world. So listen to Deuteronomy 5. I'm just taking a few verses here. Starts out with this commandment on Sabbath, to be careful to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's different from what we hear in Exodus 20. Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy? Deuteronomy is, be careful to observe. And as in Exodus, there's this motivation for it, for in six days God worked, labored, rested. In Deuteronomy 5, that's there, but then you also hear this. Remember, ooh, that's the word you heard in Exodus. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. See, that's really the same rationale that's all there in Exodus 20. When we consider the preface of Exodus 20, verse 2, jump into the commandment on the Sabbath. But what Deuteronomy does here is that here in the second giving of the law, this is being grounded in liberation and salvation and redemption. God knew that Israel had this tendency to forget God's mighty acts. In Deuteronomy, God is not talking to the generation that was rescued and delivered from slavery in Egypt. He's talking to their kids and their grandkids. And so he's telling them, don't forget what I have done for you and how I have rescued you. And so this call to Remember, have the Sabbath and remember is a call to holy defiance, to never be enslaved again. And so when we think about our culture, Tish Harrison Warren, one of my favorite writers, she writes this, when a careerist culture meets a digital revolution that allows unlimited access to work, something has got to give. And in America, the something tends not to be work demands, but instead is the human soul. 
what she's saying is that America prioritizes work and its demands over our soul. But God says it needs to be the other way around. That our soul needs to be cultivated and guarded and cherished. Work needs to change. The demands of work need to change. And so God is saying this in Deuteronomy, that do not revive what he has removed from your life. Because in Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Jesus crushed the idols of our heart upon the cross. So don't go and piece them, those cobblestones back together that he has smashed and scattered from your lives. That our Savior invites us as wearied and exhausted people to come to him and experience rest. So don't go to those false idols that are promising false rest to you because those idols are only going to deliver burdens that will crush you, yokes that will give you that crick in the neck. You see, if you're going to refuse the Sabbath in your life, you're going to refuse freedom. Because resting in Christ shows your freedom in Christ. Those two things of being free in Christ and resting in Christ, they feed one another. They lead to the other. So friends, go back to that question I asked at the very beginning. What is the most important thing that you have in your life that you feel? The most important asset? Time. Time to be with God. Time to be with ourselves. Time to be with friends and family. To be with our church. Be with our neighbors. Time to be free of work expectations and demands. Time to simply be present. To be still. And to rest before God. And let's be clear here. And this is honestly, friends, this is what is so beautiful about the Sabbath. It's, and it's the fact that it reveals God's heart. It reveals God's character. It reveals God's actions. That the rest of God, the Sabbath, is not a reward for getting things done. It's not a reward for finishing something. It is a sheer gift. Sheer grace. Another guy from the Pacific Northwest, John Mark Comer. He writes this, Sabbath is not the break that we earn for finishing our work. It is the rest that we get to take smack dab in the middle of our work without apology and without guilt because the one who made and rules over everything says we can. In fact, he says we must. Sabbath, this idea of rest, is one of the Ten Commandments right up there next to do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not have any other gods before me. It's right up there with all those things. And so, friends, when you Sabbath, when you embrace this delight, when you uh, resist the things that seek to enslave you, when you Sabbath, you're saying something in your heart that, and with your actions that you are saying that enough, is, that you have enough. When you Sabbath, you're saying that you have all the things that you need. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. And so the Sabbath is one of God's many good gifts that he gives to you so that your delight, your joy deepens so you can delight in him and one another, your church, your family, and more. It is a gift that he gives to you knowing that you need this so that you would slow down that you would be attentive to the work that he is doing in your life so that you can experience the true rest of God. And so, friends, 
We need to lean into this. We need to pray for ourselves and for one another to say no to the things that would seek to be taskmasters of our hearts and our lives and say we need to slow down, to stop, to cease, and to give this day to God as a day of rest where we can enjoy him, delight in him, and delight in all the things that he has given us. When we do that, our lives completely change. And we will experience great joy and goodness and flourishing in our life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your good word. We thank you not only for your word, which is a gift to us. We thank you for the gift of rest. That you give us permission to say no to the things that would seek to enslave us. You give us permission to say no to our own hearts as we seek to enslave ourselves. To slow down. To... Be present with you. So, Father, you give us permission to even as we struggle with this and we feel like we may be wasting time, Father, we, you give us permission to do just that. And the truth is, is there's no such thing as a waste when we live every single moment of our lives before you. We thank you for this. And, Father, we pray that you'll give us the grace to walk in obedience before you, that we would remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, that we would imitate you and renounce ways that we try to be you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.